0: All right. Here we go, though. Um, We're in Genesis 1. Genesis 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. I would love to get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. Genesis 1. Before I explain what we're doing, um, I just want to say thank you guys for all your prayers. I know Silver was here last week to share some things. We had a mission trip team come back last Saturday night. Um, I got home at 11 p.m. last Saturday. I was planning on coming to church last week, but I don't know what hit me. Um, Something hit me, though. And I saw the sunrise. It was great because I did not leave the bathroom. Um, but it was, <laughs> there's actually been a lot of people who have caught this similar stomach bug. I don't know if this is like a Guatemala thing or South Florida thing. I have no idea what's going on. Um, but thank you guys for your prayers. I, my stomach's still a little unsettled. So if you see me sitting down today a lot, Just I'm just sitting down. Um, but listen, uh, I want to share a couple things actually. Uh, Silver did mention this last week. Uh, What the Lord is doing in Guatemala, by the way, is absolutely incredible. Um, Village of Hope is a beautiful ministry that we got to partner with, and we're planning on partnering with them, hopefully long-term. Basically, Village of Hope offers housing, schooling, Christian therapy, uh, primarily for just young women who've been trafficked or abused. Um, The stories are unreal when you just kind of listen to them and, and hear what they're walking through. Um, I'm not sure how much Silver did share with that, but you see, like a 12 or 13 year old girl who's playing soccer with us. You think she's one of the kids, but she's one of the moms. And after soccer, she takes a little baby break to go back to her baby, then come back to soccer. And you're just kind of hearing these stories. Um, I'm bringing this up because we want to continue to partner with them. We don't just think it's like a a drive-by kind of like we're just hitting this like helping and leaving. We want to have like a long-term relationship with them. They're actually working on a like a long kind of like plan to have transitional housing for when the moms turn 18 to have tiny homes right next door. They have a plot of land already purchased. And um, I want to share more with you as the future comes because I would like to see if our church could sponsor one of those, I believe, 12 homes they're trying to create there. Um, So I think it's really sweet. It's really cool. It's happening. Um, Hopefully, we're planning on being there next year and um, I'm sharing that because even now, if you that interests you, uh, we're hopefully taking the team again next year. It's just an amazing trip. If you're like missions, and maybe that seems audacious to you, or I'm not sure how you feel about that, it's probably one of the best simple like introduction to missions, like dip your toe in. Um, it was safe. It was just an amazing experience, so um, I just want to mention that briefly because God is doing some cool things, and i I wasn't here to really kind of share that or hear that. And I just want you guys to know what the Lord's doing. So cool. Um, so keep them in prayer and we'll be hopefully partner with them long term. So that's really sweet. Um, besides that, there's one other announcement I need to announce that we've never done before. We're starting the first Wednesday of June. I want this to be hopefully, I know it can't be all hands on deck because we have very limited like seating for this. But on Wednesday nights, we're renting out the library here at the school, and for eight weeks, we're going to do something called a missional life course. Um, this is basically a way for us to equip and train you to not, like, do evangelism necessarily, but actually, how do we live on mission? Like, what does it mean to go and make disciples? Um, how do we not just do, like, you know, on the street corner, hold up a sign? How do we actually, like, share our faith in a way that is, that's winsome, that is attractive, Um, So this is an eight-week thing. Uh, it's 10 bucks just to help us with the costs and some snacks and drinks and food. We're renting the library. We'll be here Wednesday nights at 7 to 8.30. We don't have childcare. We only have about 40 spots available. Um, I would love for this to be a thing where like everyone at one point in time will do this next year. I'm hoping our whole church will just walk through this at least once. So you can sign up on our website, theexchangechurch.cc. You should see uh, the missional life course. We would love it if you'd be a part of this. So Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock here, uh, only eight weeks. And we don't want you to, like, miss week four, week five. Like, if you're going to go and sign up, like, come every week. We, would just, we think this is so impactful. So we're doing this in the summer. And then if you guys know, this will be our third year we start something called Alpha. Um, the Alpha course is a way for us to kind of walk through a longer conversation with people about Jesus, who he is, faith, the Holy Spirit, like, who is God. We kind of do this ongoing thing to reach the lost. So Alpha is a place where you invite people who don't know God, who are far from Jesus, who are like, I'm over this Christian church thing. Alpha's like, come, we'll have an awesome meal, a dialogue, watch a video. That'll be in this room, this main room. That'll be in the fall, uh, September and October. But we wanna get ready for that. We wanna equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen? Like that is our job. Like our job here is to equip you guys. You're the saints. Work at the ministry. is the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world to God. So my hope is this. um, This is not the place necessarily where people get saved. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Make sure you guys understand that. But it's like you. You go. You make disciples. Like you're the ambassadors. We want people to come and see. We also want to go and make, right? So there's a mixture of come and see. Come and hear about Jesus, this person who's changed all of our lives, but also go and make. So um, we're going to do this thing for eight weeks of the summer, missional life course. I know you're going to love the content. It's amazing content. I'm very excited for this. Cool? Yes? That's like not an announcement. It's like a plea. Please, like we got to get this part of our DNA. We got to get this part of our DNA. Um, I don't want it to just be like, how do I do evangelism? It's like, no, how do I live on mission? And I think it'll be life-changing if you can view it differently. Yes? Amen. Cool? All right. Uh, that's sort of an announcement. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 is where we're going to be at today. Um, let me explain something, because uh, this has been on my mind and heart for a while. So um, we are currently going through the book of 2 Kings. I've been loving this series that we've been in for like a year. It's been amazing. Went through the Samuels. Now we're in 2 Kings. I've never really on Mother's Day actually taken a break to change up the message, not because I don't value Mother's Day, but because I just love going through the books of the Bible and teaching that way. Um, but I do feel the need to kind of hit pause a little bit. Um, my hope today is actually just to speak life over womanhood. So let me explain. Um, you guys know this. This is not like it's hidden. It's just very out there. It does just seem or appear um, that there, we're in a weird cultural moment, where there's kind of like an all-out assault on what is a woman? What does it mean to be a a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Uh, Is there a difference between sex and gender? You know, I think there's a redefinition of words that are happening right now. We're just in a very unusual moment where it is kind of bizarre. Um, I feel like it's necessary for us to say, not for me, by by the way, I I was talking to my wife about this, like I'm going to be teaching on what is a biblical woman, right? You're like, who are you as a man? Hey, by the way, every week my job's kind to go, here's what God's word says. This is not my opinion. This is not my thing. I just want to open up God's word and have him speak. I want to say this in a beautiful way. God designed and created women to glorify him. And we actually want to like know what does it mean to live into that? And what does that even mean? What is a woman? Maybe you guys heard about this, and I'm not trying to get weird with this, but I think this is necessary. About a year ago, a documentary came out. You might know about it. It's just called What is a Woman, right? And the guy went around asking questions, what is a woman? And I would, it's just fascinating to hear our culture's answers in response to what a woman is. So we want to answer that question. What is a woman? God designed it. What he says goes. So we want to look at that today. Are you guys okay with that? Are we all right? I do want to say this, by the way. Um, in a sense, too, my heart just grieves for those. I have great friends who have family members, who have friends who maybe are male and identify as female. You know, this is becoming more common and normal. And this is one of those things where as a church, maybe we've been unloving to the LGBTQ community. Maybe we've presented God's word or we, we want to stand for truth, but we haven't been loving. In the process, my hope is to say, how can we be loving, but also make sure we're not going to shy away from what God's word says, because the most loving thing we could do is saying, hey, here's what God's word says. He loves you. He does have a plan for your life and how you live your life, and it's okay if that rubs you the wrong way, because guess what? Scripture has rubbed me the wrong way, and when that happens, I'm wrong, not God. And there's one of those things where we want to like lovingly talk about this with grace and hopefully tact, talk about this. But it's also one of those things that just seems to be sadly like an invasion almost of like what of the womanhood. And so we want to kind of just get to scriptures and say, God, what do you say about um, biblical manhood, biblical womanhood? Uh, So today for like months, I've been thinking and praying about this and going, okay, Lord, like I want to use Mother's Day as an opportunity to just kind of say um, not just speak on mothering. There's a lot of stuff on mothering and motherhood. Um, But I want to look at just like, God, what do you say about women? Because women are a gift from you. And I want to look at this and go, God, what do you say? And how do we just reorient our hearts around your desire uh, for women? How do we actually just love our women and honor our women? We're told to honor our fathers and mothers. Um, We want to honor women. We want to honor the moms today. We just want to honor women today. Um, I just think this is a very important and necessary conversation. Cool? I mean, you guys probably see the same articles I see. You probably see the same things I see. And I think that I don't want to stay silent. It's like our hope is to say, hey, God, you designed this thing. You, 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 you made this, not me. So I want to look at what he has to say about this. Um, I'm going to just throw this up there because I, I think it's necessary to know, like, why there's a mixture. I know there's a mixture of emotions with this topic. Because for some of you, you're, you're, the anger you might have is towards maybe the patriarchy and classically, what men have done in this country, maybe your anger is against secular feminism, and you have this divide in your heart. We just want to say, hey, listen, um, sin is in the heart of men and women. Jesus loves men and women, and he wants to address that and speak into that and call you out of that into his description of manhood and womanhood. And so there's a mixture of things we'll kind of walk through today, but I just feel like it's important for us to do this. Um, let me just say it this way. Paul said it this way, and this is my heart. It's Second 2 Timothy 2.24. He says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. My hope is not to be quarrelsome. Uh, My hope is to patiently, in this moment that we're in, we as Christians, patiently enduring evil, but we also, it says, uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness. That's our hope, just with gentleness, with love to say, hey, here's what God's word says about this. So we're going to do this. We're going to read Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and then we're going to hop over to Genesis 2. All right, Genesis 1, you guys okay? You guys ready? All right, Genesis 1, here we go. Happy Mother's Day. Gina Bible sitting on womanhood. Here we go. All right, Genesis 1, verse 26. It says, And God, sorry, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air of the heavens, and of the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Chapter 2, verse 18. Pick up there. Chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock, to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Everyone say amen. (laughs) All right, let's just pray and give this time to the Lord. Father, we just want to thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for your design. We thank you for what you spoke and what you brought to life, that it was not good for man to be alone. God, we thank you for woman. God, we thank you for what you had in mind, how we are both made in your likeness, how we both bear your image. Jesus, I just ask that you would heal our country, heal our perspective, this battle we're seeing, the battle of the sexes or of the genders. Jesus, what we're kind of seeing right now happening, we just ask that we would get a vision for what it, for what it is you have in mind, that Jesus, we would fulfill your word, that you've made us male and female in your image, in your image, Lord, and how the enemy just wants to mar that and ruin that. And so, Lord, we just come to you and just beg and ask that you would speak, that you would move, that you'd be blessed. In your wonderful name. Amen. I just want to start off by saying, thank God for godly women. Amen? Like, men, you have a chance, like, hit your wife and be like, hey, man, Like, you can yell amen at that point. But we, we actually, I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful like, looking at my life, it's crazy. I was just trying to, like, think and, like, do this exercise of all the women in my life who've impacted me. It's unbelievable. I can think about, obviously, I can think about, for me at a young age, my mom. She loves Jesus. She loves the Lord. She prayed for me. She, she spoke life over me. I think my mom was the first person to ever say, hey, you're going to be a pastor. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But moms are just moms that way. <laughs> I think about my teachers, Miss Teresa, Miss Edinger, the ones who shaped me, was very patient with me. If you know my son, probably, you know, apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, just a lot of energy kind of out there and just was willing to walk through it with me when maybe I had just so much energy as a little boy, so much craziness, and like people saying God's going to use that. You're like, what does that even mean? I'm so thankful for the, the godly women in my life. I'm so thankful for my wife, my mother-in-law, who's now with Jesus, the people who've just been so patient with me. God has really used women to shape who I am. Think about the women in your life God has used to shape who you are. Like, really. Everyone here, I do believe, for the most part, actually, I'm going to ask this. Who cares? Raise your hand if you've been impacted by a godly woman. Because I want you to see this. Raise your hand if you've been impacted by a godly woman. It's unbelievable. If you haven't, welcome to the exchange. You'll meet some godly women. All right? I want you to know that it's unbelievable what the Lord has done through just the gift and blessing of women, of womanhood, that God has put a certain perspective, character, nurturing spirit that I'm very thankful he gave to women. And it's one of those things we want to honor, we want to celebrate, we want to look at and go, "Um, Lord, why shy away from this? You made this. Why either avoid this or be afraid to talk about this when yet you designed this for a very intentional reason? This is so incredibly beautiful. And it's not just like, it's womanhood, it's motherhood, it's being a wife, it's sister, it's just so many different relationships, but what a woman is to man, to other women. You heard my wife, how she's been so influenced by this community of women who love her, who love Jesus. It's just so impactful. I'm going to read this. I found this this week and I just thought it was spot on and it's more about mothering, but hear me out for a second. I I thought this was good. Um, Our moms or women have just taught us a lot and here's the idea. So I love this. my mother, this person wrote, my mother taught me religion. You, and this is, everything's going a quote after that. My mom taught me religion. You better pray, that will come out of the carpet. I like that. Number two, my mother taught me logic because I said so. That's why. My mother taught me irony. Keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me about stamina. You'll sit there until you eat all of your vegetables. Stamina. My mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Come on, you guys heard that. I know you heard that. They taught us the circle of life. I like this one. My mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. (laughs) I love that. Where would we be without moms? Where would we be without women? I mean, obviously no one would be here without women. No one. No one would be here without women, by the way. (laughs) No one's here. It's just unbelievable what God has done and what God is doing through just the beautiful gift of women. And I think we as a church, listen, for some reason, there's like the battle of the sexes that kind of turn into the battle of the genders, and it takes on these different faces. We're anti women or anti men. When in, the reality is, God's like, I made both male and female in my image. This is good. It's actually what's not good. You know, it's beautiful, obviously, when God created everything. Everything was perfect and yet not complete. If you read Genesis 1, it's very clear. Everything was created. Man was created. God placed man in the garden, but he goes, this is not good. That man should not be alone. Yes, it's perfect, but it's not complete. And you have to see that God's like, this is a good thing. Womanhood. This is a beautiful thing. The reason why I think this is so important, because we're going to be seeing more and more of this. It's more commonplace. But here's a few articles I, I've seen, you've seen. We're becoming into a very weird time where we don't want to see the distinctions or differences between men and women. We want to blur it together. Obviously, a main idea today is that gender is fluid. Here's some articles I came across recently. We'll just put them up here. Uh, maybe see the first one. It just says, the parents raising their children without gender. The articles go on to talk about there's a movement, and not that you're unaware, but just a movement of parents who are not answering the question. Are you having a boy or a girl? That's an offensive question. When a woman's pregnant, are you having a boy or a girl? It's like I'm having a baby, not a baby. Here's the idea. Um, here's one article. Next one: boy or girl. Parents raising their babies, or parents raising babies, let kids decide. One of the sub things says: one way of shielding children from gender stereotypes, keep their biological sex secret. Other article. You see this? These are articles. I let my child create their own gender identity. The experience has been a gift for both of us. Here, here's why I'm showing you this. We're entering into a movement now, you know, more and more where we're going to see this. We're not going to see the distinctions between male and female. And I think it's important for us as the church to speak into this. Listen, I have to be, again, really clear. Jesus loves Everyone and has a heart for everyone. I do believe many of you might be in this room, and maybe you do struggle with some sort of gender dysphoria. Maybe you grew up and felt like you were in the wrong body. You are welcome here. You are loved here. But we also want to say Jesus has a vision and plan for this, for your life. That manhood and womanhood is a beautiful gift God has given you to live into. It's not one of those things we want to shy away from. We want to say, no, God made you the way you are, and we want you to live into the way he made you. And obviously, here's a perspective, by the way. Everything I'm talking about today, um, this won't make sense unless your mind has been renewed. What I mean is, this won't make sense unless that which is of flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. You must be born again, Jesus said. So here's the thing. Um, First and foremost... If you don't know Jesus, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to believe on Jesus. Call upon Jesus. All those who call upon him shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. First and foremost, you need to believe and call on Jesus. I'm not trying to convince you of a belief system before I say, believe the person. It's all about this book. Everything's all about Jesus. You're made by God and for God. You need to know Jesus. Now, when you know Jesus, you're, you're welcomed into this discipleship of following Jesus. We want you to follow Jesus. What does he say? What does he teach? What does this book teach? So we're inviting you and saying, like, first and foremost, again, if this is, like, one of those topics, like, oh, I'm already turned off, I I, I don't like this idea, we just want you to get to know Jesus, the one who changed all of our lives in this room, the the one who is the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who died on the cross for your sins, for my sins, who rose again from the grave, who over 500 people saw him, they gave their life for that truth, first and foremost, you need to know Jesus. I don't want to get the the cart in front of the horse. It's weird to teach on certain topics that are, this is, like, an in-house topic, This is one of those things saying, now, if you believe on Jesus and you want to follow Jesus, here's Jesus's sex ethic or Jesus's gender ethic. This is what Jesus has to say about sex, sexuality, gender. This is what God says. This is the origin in Genesis 1 and 2, how God originally created and designed it. and We're like inviting you into an in-house conversation. So here's kind of how we're going to break this down today and what I want to point out. Um, I have three points. And uh, this is different for me. You guys know know I teach expositionally, but here we go. Three points. Number one is this. Uh, Women are defined by God. Women are used by God. And women are a blessing from God. That's when the men should say amen and get some points. But you missed out. You totally missed out. All right. Women are defined by God. Women are used by God. Women are a blessing from God. Let's just walk through this. Number one is this. Women are defined by God. God created women. God created men. Whoever creates, whoever designs, is the one who says, this is how I've created you. If I made up my own board game and I create the rules and I give you my board game, you're like, no, I don't like those rules. It's my board game. I made up the rules. You got to do it. Like, here's the idea. God created this. We're truly in a bizarre moment where words, for some reason, are losing its meaning and weight. When we don't like a word, we try to redefine it. We try to throw confusion at the word. I think we're in a moment where women, a woman or women used to mean one thing. And we're trying to make it mean another thing. We're trying to make it more complicated or confusion. Or how do we just add all this kind of ambiguity to it? When in reality, God's like, it's pretty simple. I want you to say this. God's like, I made men and I made female. I made man and I made woman. God designed this. This is from him. This is not my opinion. This is not my perspective. This is just very important to notice is women are designed and created by God. And that is a beautiful thing. I hope if anything, men and women both walk away with an appreciation for how God made man and how God made women today specifically. That God made you the way you are, and that's a beautiful thing. So often we fight how God made us. So often we don't want it God's way. We think for some reason we can do it better. We think we know it will make us happy. And then if you've ever tried that game, I'll pursue this thing. This will make me happy. If you've ever played that game, it usually doesn't leave you happy. There's this idea that God made it. He knows how you're made. He knows how you're wired. He knows what will fulfill you and bring you ultimate meaning and purpose and joy. We just have to start with this idea that God created and designed women, and that is a beautiful thing. Thank you, God, for that. I love what Matthew Henry says about women. Great author, writer. He says, If man is the head, woman is the crown. A crown to her husband, the crown of visible creation. The man was dust refined, but the woman was dust double refined. One removed further from the earth. It's true, man was just made out of dust, man. We're just made out of dirt. But woman's made from the side of man. Adam was actually created outside of the garden. I find this fascinating. You can go back and read this in Genesis 2. But God, Adam was created outside of the garden. It says later, God made a garden and put Adam in it. And it was in the garden where a woman was made. There's just something about that, like the, this inner being closest to his heart. There's this beautiful thing in that. I want you to say that God designed and created women. That is absolutely beautiful. Women reflect the image of God. This is probably the most important thing we have to understand. This: do that. Women reflect the image of God. He says it so clearly in Genesis 1:26. We'll read it again. Genesis 1:26. God said, "Let us make man in our image." We'll get to that. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male, and female he created them. If you can see this, male and female he created them. Um, I, I obviously, I'll point this out. Let us make man in our image. Who is this us and our? Some people do say, no, God's referring to him and the angels. Absolutely not. God would never elevate angels to his, his likeness. Right away in Genesis 1, we see the trinity. Right away in Genesis chapter 1, we see, let us make man in our image. Us, the, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Let us make man in our image. And hit, in his image, he made the male and female. I know this might be an obvious thing, but maybe it's not so obvious. We live in a moment today in like the West where we have so many Christian, Christian backgrounds, foundations, ideals that we don't even know are Christian. The fact that we even believe people have intrinsic value just because they're alive is a Christian idea. That is not like that's like a new thing. It's sort of. It's always been with us. But like the idea of like people just have value. Like I don't think we should sell people. I don't think there should be slavery. I don't think we should traffic people. Yeah, where does that come from? That's a Christian idea. That men and women have intrinsic value from the very beginning. And God said, "I made you in my image." So there is the reality where men reflect the image of God in one way and women reflect the image of God in another way. And that is a beautiful thing. There is not one greater and one lesser. Do we understand there's not one sex that's above the other? Both are made in the image of God. That's beautiful, yes, right? So this idea of elevating one gender or one sex above the other, it's ridiculous. Man and women are both made in the image of God. I love what uh, one author says. His name's Wayne Grudem, classic guy. Listen to this. He says, to be in the image of God is an incredible privilege. It means to be like God and to represent God. No other creatures in all of creation, not even the powerful angels, are said to be in the image of God. It is a privilege given only to us as men and women. We are more like God than any other creatures in the universe, for we alone are in the image of God. If men and women are equally in the image of God, then we are equally important to God and equally valuable to Him. Yes, amen? We have equal worth before him for all eternity, for this is how we were created. This truth should exclude all our feelings of pride or inferiority and should exclude any idea that one sex is better or worse than the other. In contrast to many non-Christian cultures and religions, no one should feel proud or superior because he is a man and no one should feel disappointed or inferior because she is a woman. If God thinks us to be equal in value, then that settles forever the question of personal worth. For God's evaluation is the true standard of personal value for all eternity. Yes, amen. Women reflect just the image of God. That is a beautiful thing. There's no sense of I wish I was, I wish I was this, I wish I wasn't that. You understand, You, you reflect the image and beauty of God. That is a beautiful thing. You have to see that. God made you man or god made you woman for his glory when you fight that over your period of time and you go why do i seem to be more miserable or more unsatisfied you're fighting the way god has designed you to be to reflect him in his glory i'd say when you actually embrace that when you embrace how god has made you there's something beautiful that happens that you're actually fulfilling and living into the way god has wired you and made you there's something so beautiful about that. Listen, I want to be really clear, too. We, we, I know that people are very frustrated by this moment. They say, why does everything have to be so binary? Why does it have to be either this or that, male or female? Isn't gender just fluid? I have to be really clear. Jesus actually did shed light and cleared on this as well. In fact, Well, what's Jesus' take? This is Genesis 1, but what's Jesus' take? The most loving man in the universe. What does he say about sex and gender? Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 19, verse 4 through 6. We'll put the verse up here. Matthew 19, Jesus said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning... Made them male and female, and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer uh, two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. This is a lot of times read at weddings, or said at weddings, or described at weddings, but I think this is so much more than just a, a reverse on weddings, even though it is on marriage in many ways. But, he, but hear this out. He goes, have you not read from the very beginning? What Jesus is saying is origin and intent matters. Genesis 1 matters. Jesus points to Genesis 1 in a, in a way that, one, this happened. Adam and Eve are not fairy tales. They're not just a myth. He says, have you not read from the very beginning? That there's true people, there's, that he made them male and female. Jesus does by saying that very clearly. He goes, hey, no, sex, gender, same. There's not a difference between the two even though our culture tries to make a difference. And he goes, have you not read that he's made them male and female? Jesus makes it very clear. It is binary. It is either you're male or you're female. Jesus says this. The reason why I'm saying this is to say, when we fight this, we get so frustrated and so angry. We're fighting the way God has designed and intended us how to live. And I do think when you go, wow, God, this is beautiful. From the very beginning, you made it to be this way, to embrace my femininity to be as a woman or my my masculine like god you've made us to be male and female this is such a beautiful thing lord thank you for this kevin DeYoung, one author said and i just want it's a long quote again but just bear with me i thought it was so profound kevin DeYoung, great author writer speaker says men and women are not interchangeable listen the man and the woman in marriage especially but in the rest of life as well complement each other meaning they are supposed to function according to divine fittedness This is in keeping with the the ordering of the entire cosmos. Listen, think about this. Think about the complementary nature of creation itself. In the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. And that's not the only thing, the only pairing in creation. We find other sorts of couples like the sun and the moon, morning and evening, day and night, the sea and the dry land, and plants and animals before reaching the climactic couple, a man and a woman. In every pairing, each part belongs with the other but neither is interchangeable. It makes perfect sense that the coming together of heaven and earth in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, uh, is preceded by the marriage supper of the lamb in Revelation 19. That God created us male and female has a cosmic and enduring significance. From start to finish, the biblical storyline and design of creation itself depends upon the distinction between male and female as different from one another, yet fitted each for the other. This is not interchangeable. God's like, I've made you this way for a purpose and for a reason. In fact, God's like, I, this is what I do, sun and moon, plants and animals, like dry land, uh, ocean. This is like what I do. I pair opposites together. God is basically saying, look, this is how I've designed things from the very beginning. Heaven and earth. Do you see God's like, I'm pairing you guys together, male and female, for my glory, to reflect my image. Again, I'm so thankful for how women reflect God's image. I'm so thankful for how women just display the heart of God. I love that woman came from the side. In a sense, it says from man, the idea is like closest to his heart. Like men can, so oftentimes, it's not always 100% this way, but you see how men maybe reflect kind of the head. Women reflect the heart. I see this in my family. I see my son get hurt, and my compassion is not there. My wife's a little more compassionate. Like I see these things played out, but I'm just going, man, Lord, thank you that you reflect your image in just unique ways through men and through women. Why despise that? Why fight that? That is such a beautiful thing. It's actually taught, and if you feel like there's a difference still between sex, between gender, but maybe how you project yourself, the scriptures are very clear. It's like, I've made you male and female, and it does matter how you project yourself. I'm just going to throw this verse up here because the Bible does this. This is the heart of God. Deuteronomy 22, it says, a woman should not wear a man's garment, nor a man put on a woman's cloak. The reason why I'm reading that is basically to say, God's like, no, no, I actually want you to live into whether you're maleness or your femaleness. Now, we've got to be careful how this can play out. I'm not saying girls, need to wear pink, boys, need to wear blue. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you actually, there's a way to disguise and try to hide your sex and gender, or there's a way to say, no, no, this is who I am. I was like, I want you to live into how I made you. I love you. I care for you. I don't want you to hide that or be ashamed of that. Why be ashamed of how I designed you, how I made you? So often we get charged with the question, why can't you accept me for who I am? And I'll say, it doesn't sound like you're accepting yourself for who you are. So we, we're like, no, this is how God made me. No, this is how God made you. And we have to understand that there's this idea of how God approaches a response to that. Andrew T. Walker says, We image God in our relational dimension, our structural design, and our functional capacity. Hear that again. If you're like, what does it mean to be an image bearer of God? I want you to hear that again. What does it mean that men and women both reflect the image of God? I love how he says this. Uh, We image God in our relational dimension, our structural design, and our functional capacity. Women, you are an image bearer of God. The other idea is this. Women sharing God's rule. I want you to see this. Women share in God's rule. This is so clear. It says very clearly in Genesis 128, God said to what? Say the next word. To them, not to Adam. God said to them, what do you say? Be fruitful and multiply it, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth and keeps going. Have dominion over it, have rule over it. There's a beautiful side, like women, explore. Like you are a ruler. You're, you have dominion over this earth as well. We sometimes explained it, maybe in different pictures, where it's like men or have dominion. Like women, Men and women both have dominion over this earth, meaning God's like, I put treasures in this world, to seek them out. I put hidden wisdom in this world, to seek them out. Women, seek that out. You have been, you can, you are. It's not your you're lesser. It's not that men rule and women don't. You both have dominion. God, women share in God's rule. And I love this. Women share in God's blessing, Genesis 128. It says, and God bless them. I, you just need to hear that. Women sharing God's blessing. God bless them. There's this beautiful, you're blessed. Live into that walk. The reason why I'm sharing all this is um, if people have ever thrown this at you and say, the Bible is so misogynistic. It has such a negative view of women. You're like, what? The one who bears God's image? The one who reflects God to this world? The Bible's misogynistic? The one who literally says that you are made in the image of God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're beautiful. You reflect God to this world, and yet it's misogynistic. Jesus, who I would say, look, look at his, just who he is and what he's done for women. It's unbelievable how Jesus welcomed women into his ministry, how he ministered to them and let them minister to him. Jesus, I mean, you think about what he did for women was so ahead and just a cultural revolution with Jesus' perspective to women. I put a few things up here because you have to see this. Jesus did not fit into his stereotypes of the day of how men treated women. Here's what Jesus did. All right, I'm going to put this up. You guys ready? Jesus valued women. That should be very clearly seen. Jesus valued women's spiritual and intellectual abilities by engaging them in theological discussions and teaching them about God's kingdom. I hope this up there. Jesus honored women in his ministry and recognized their contributions. Jesus protected women from discrimination and violence. Jesus elevated women's reputation and testimony. The first people Jesus appeared to when he resurrected was women, giving them a voice. Speak, tell them what you saw. Jesus frequently ministered to women and allowed women to minister to him. Jesus addressed women tenderly as daughters of Abraham, placing them on the same spiritual plane as men. Jesus' teaching on divorce treated women as persons, not as mere property. Jesus' instruction on lust protected women from being treated as nothing more than objects of sexual desire. Jesus made time for women, women and treated them with care and respect, whether they were married or single or sick or disabled. My next point is this. In all his interactions with women, Jesus treated them with dignity, compassion, and respect. In so doing, he countered the prevailing notions of the day concerning women and their place in society. You have to see how men viewed women and how Jesus viewed women. You have to see how Jesus reflected the heart of God to women. You have to see that the Jewish, you know, maybe you've heard this, um, like the Jewish prayer, not in the Bible, but like a Jewish prayer men would make is, God, thank you that I'm not a Gentile or a woman, right? They like make a prayer similar to that. They thank God I'm not a woman. That was not Jesus, Jesus showed women dignity, value, worth, beauty. It's unbelievable, honestly. Men wouldn't even talk or acknowledge or look women in the eyes in this moment, in this day and age. Still in much of Jewish culture, there's not this sense of, uh, I'm going to minister with you or talk with you or sit down with you or eat with you. What Jesus did is unbelievable. The women were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Do we know that? Women were with the disciples in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit fell on the women. My point is, God values women obviously, clearly. I hate this lie that the world throws out and as like God or the Bible or Jesus is misogynistic. You're like, you are image bearers of God who reflect the glory of God. You have the highest value, higher than the angels. You reflect God's image. How beautiful is that Jesus loved, administered, and valued women? Yes? Amen? We have to say, no, 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 that's just a lie. I don't know who told you that. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about what Jesus did. A number of women, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, Salami, Mary, and Martha, are all mentioned by name in the Gospels. Why? It's indicating their important place in Jesus' ministry. Women, you have a beautiful place in Jesus' ministry. Yes, you have to, we have to see this. Men, this is the time for us to speak up and say, yes, women, you reflect the beauty and glory of God. He made the male and female in his likeness. Thank you, God. He has such a high value of women. Women are defined by God. Number two is this. This is even sad. I'm, I, this disappoints me. But I'm, women are used by God. Obviously, women are used incredibly by God. Like we have to, from from literally beginning to end, women are used by God to further the kingdom, to bring the Messiah, to herald the gospel women are used by god in powerful ways i didn't know how to do this by the way because like i'm just gonna be honest like this is one of those things like i was overwhelmed in my study i was like oh my gosh am i gonna turn this into a 12-week series on just like women in the bible maybe i don't know but it's amazing so i try to write down some like ways women have been used in the Bible, and there's just a handful of ways all right just a few things women of scripture women have shown incredible wisdom listen to the women and their wisdom deborah she was a judge and prophetess who led israel in battle Abigail stopped David from seeking revenge and instead showed him wisdom and hospitality. The queen of Sheba, who traveled a great distance to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Uh, Huldah, She's amazing, by the way. A prophetess who advised King Josiah in matters of the law. Jael, who used her wisdom and cunning to kill the Canaanite general Sisera, who is incredibly evil. Naomi, who advised her daughter-in-law on Ruth, on how to secure her future and find a husband. Uh, the Shulamite woman in the Song of Solomon, who displayed wisdom and discernment in a relationship with her beloved. Just a few ways women are incredibly used with just incredible insight and discernment. I don't know if you've ever had a mom just speak over you or give you discernment. Like, there's n- mom advice or woman advice, or you're just going, oh, that is so insightful. Like, thank you. So much wisdom in women. Uh, this idea, I wanted to create, like, women of great faith, women who did things of incredible faith. Hebrews 11, it's called the Hall of Faith, has all these men and women who did great things of faith. I love this. Women of Faith, Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute who helped the Israelites, spies, escape. Ruth, she's a Moabite widow who chose to follow God and become an ancestor of Jesus. That's a great faith. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood, she was believing, touching Jesus' garment would heal her and was healed. Martha. She expressed her belief in Jesus Messiah and trusted him to raise Lazarus from the dead. Esther, who prayed and fasted before approaching the king and who risked her life to save her people. My wife's like, you have to obviously talk about Esther. I mean, there's a book dedicated into the uh, the Bible to this woman who literally risked her own life for her people to be saved. Spend some time in that. This women who just had great acts of faith, great boldness, no fear to lay down their life for something bigger or better. Another way of looking at this, women are incredibly generous and full of good works. I want to put it out this way. Listen to this. The widow Jesus called out who gave her last two coins. This incredible generosity. Dorcas, great name, baby name, by the way, Uh, if you're looking for baby names. She made clothes for the poor and widows. You can read about Dorcas in the book of Acts. An incredible woman. Mary, the sister of Martha, who anointed Jesus with very expensive perfume. I love Lydia. Lydia funded the church of Philippi. Uh, Lydia provided hospitality and financial aid to Paul and his companions. Lydia was a seller of purple. Lydia was crazy wealthy. She's like a gospel patron. She helped fund just like the church planting work of Paul. Unbelievable woman, Lydia. Phoebe, she's called out in Romans 16, a deaconess in the church who's known for the service to the saints. Just women. It's a handful You've heard all these different names so far. I'm going to give you one more. All right, one more. Women of prayer, just women in their prayer life. You have Hannah, who prayed for a son and gave birth to Samuel. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her prayer life was unbelievable. when you can read about her prayers in Luke. Rachel prayed for a child, and God opened her womb. Rebecca prayed for guidance when she was pregnant with twins. Anna spent her days fasting and praying in the temple and saw the Messiah. Thank you, God, for women who pray. Listen, they showed great acts of faith, great hospitality, great generosity, just great love. They're in the Hall of Faith, Rahab, Sarah. There's just this limitless list of women who are used radically by God. It's silly to me when I was like, okay, God, what do you want to say? God's like, you need to remind women of how I use them. I've used them mightily to plant churches, to make disciples, to serve my people, to love on people, to heal the nations. We have to see this. It's like, where do I even begin with this list? You know, can I tell you, again, I am so thankful for the women in my life who loved on me, prayed for me, who still do. It's unbelievable you know, not in a crazy weird way, but one of my f- one of my first memories as a kid in some ways, like spiritual things that kind of stick with you. When you have like memories of spiritual th- moments that stick with you, you know, I remember going into my room, I remember opening the door, and I remember seeing my mom on her knees like on my bed praying. And I would be a little kid annoyed that someone's in my room. Like, why are you in my room? Right? Super, super little kids. She's like, looks up, like, I'm praying for you. And I'm like, oh, close the door. You know, and I remember walking, and I remember like, so, so I'm like, wow, like, you know, she's probably saying, God save this little soul. He's evil. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, I was like, that was so beautiful. It just so stuck with me. I'm just like, wow. Like, here's my mom in my room praying over me, speaking over me. My point is, God has and will continue to use women in a powerful way for his kingdom. We have to see that. We have to see that when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples in Acts 1, women were in the room. It's incredibly clear. The Holy Spirit filled women, empowered women. They spoke in different tongues, they went to the nations. It's so beautiful how God, God says this in Acts 2.14 or 2.17. Listen to this, Acts 2.17. He says, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. God's like, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, all flesh. Your young men, your old men, your your young women. i am gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh. Like, we have to see this. The body of Christ is so much better when male and female come together, work together for the glory and edification of Jesus Christ. It's so much better. Rather than fighting, nitpicking, point out what so-and-so does wrong, and this, this gender does this wrong. It's like, rather, we need to show honor. Church, could you imagine if we showed honor to men? Could you imagine if we showed honor to women? Could you imagine if we actually honored the other and elevated the other? And we honored how God made you, how God wired you, how you are, and didn't act like something was better or you're missing out? It's just so sad how we see these games being played, and we're not going to play that. We're going to honor. We're going to honor the other, yes? All right, I have a few more. Can I, I'm sorry if this is, is this okay. I have a few more women who modern day change the world. Can I just share a couple? Because it's not just God did this in the book of Acts, the Old Testament. Maybe you've heard of Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was a Christian missionary to India who founded the Donover Fellowship, a mission organization dedicated to rescuing and caring for young girls who are at risk of being sold into prostitution. She opened an orphanage and school for girls, and her work inspired many others to get involved in missions and social justice work. Amy Carmichael. Maybe uh, there's a lot of names I can recognize, but I'm just going to keep going. Jackie Pollinger. Jackie Pollinger is a British Christian missionary who has worked in Hong Kong for over 50 years. She founded St. Stephen's Society, a ministry that has reached out to drug addicts and prostitutes in the city. She has opened numerous rehabilitation centers and shelters for those in need, and her work has had a significant impact on the community. Christine Kane, someone you might know. Christine Kane is a Christian author, speaker, and activist who founded the A21 Campaign, a nonprofit organization dedicated to fighting human trafficking. The organization provides support and resources to victims of trafficking, as well as education and advocacy to prevent trafficking from happening in the first place. Dr. Catherine Hamlin, listen to this. Dr. Catherine Hamlin was an Australian, obstetrician and gynecologist who founded the Hamlin Fistilu Hospital in Ethiopia. The hospital has provided free medical care to thousands of women who have suffered from ob- obstetric, I'm sorry, obst- obstetric, uh, fistulas, a debilitating condition that can occur during childbirth. I'm going to fast forward to this last one, Kayla Mueller. Listen to this one's so cool. Kayla Mueller. She was a Christian humanitarian who worked who, uh, worker who founded a non-profit organization called Support to Life. The organization provided humanitarian aid to Syrian refugees and helped to build schools and health care clinics in the region. Kayla was taken captive by ISIS in 2013 and tragically died in captivity. Listen, there's, I had so many more. I'm just not, there's just countless stories of women who've planted orphanages, hospitals, hospitals, Churches, healthcare clinics, rescuing women out of human traffic—it's just the story goes on and on and on. It's so beautiful. It's always funny to me when we, it, except this time, by the way, it's Guatemala. But whenever in the past we've done like a mission trip, or we'd be like, hey, we have a need. There's some sort of spiritual need. Come with us. Usually it's like 80 percent women, 20 percent men. Sometimes I'm like, all right, men, like we get it. Women are awesome, but step up. Like there's a side where i room. Like men, we need you please step up. It'd be cool to just take 50-50. This last trip to Guatemala, good job, men. Praise all the men. That's great. We had a great, a lot, good group of men. But I just love seeing it. It's so funny to me, like whenever we do something that's like, who wants to help serve the poor? Who wants to do this thing? Who wants to pray? Who wants to wake up really early and do that? You'll just see women time after time step up and go and say, here I am, Lord, send me. And the Lord responds so, so profoundly. I love this. I have a wife who you know is very well-spoken who loves the Lord? Who's very organized? Any event we do, they're like that was great. It's Like Kimber and Taylor get you know the glory besides Jesus. I'm like yeah, they're awesome, but I look at it, she has some things in her heart that I know that God has put in there years ago. You know that's not here yet, and we're like praying and waiting and looking. And I know that there's many women I've talked to who have a heart here to maybe start their own nonprofit or help in some way in that capacity. My my point is God has and will use women over and over. Again. And This thank you God for godly women. Thank you God for godly women. Who fight? Thank you, God, for Titus two women who raise up other women. We need more of that. This is a, I, I do in some ways. My wife's like, can I tell you the reason why I'm doing this? I'm like, hey, honey, help me. Here's my notes. Here's what I'm talking through. I'm like, what do I need to do? She's like, women are tired. You need to encourage. You need to speak life over. There's a lot of things facing women. There's a lot of social media things that tell you this is what you should be doing. You're falling short. You're not where you should be. You're not how you should look. You're not how you should feel. Speak Jesus' truth over them. Let the Holy Spirit give them a vision of what beautiful biblical womanhood can look like. It's like, okay, I'll try my best. <laughs> you know, like, thank you. And there's something beautiful about saying, hey, um, this, there, we just want to say Jesus has spoken over women. Jesus has given life to men and women to shape and change his kingdom. And we, we, need, we need more of this. We need more women who say, I, here I am, Lord, send me. I am so thankful for woman at the exchange who said, you know what? I'm going to live into my womanhood. I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to use it for God's glory. It's just so beautiful. Obviously, the last point is this. Women are a blessing from God. Again, you could have said amen. Yeah, there we go. Women are a blessing from God. And, and it's one of those things where like, I'm like, okay, Lord, like, what verse, verses? You, you have to see. Um, you know what's really interesting in Genesis, when, when everything went down? By the way, we, we as men, and I do this too, I like blame Eve for like the fall. I like, can't believe women listened to the snake and we wouldn't be in this prediction if it wasn't for No, it's funny. When God said, hey, you shall not eat of this tree, a um, woman was not created. It, it was man. You know, what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15 and in Romans 5, we're told in Adam I'll die. In Adam I'll die. We got into this situation that we're in because of Adam. <laughs> as much as we try to blame Eve, we got in this situation because of Adam. But here, here's what I want to point out. It's really interesting. In Genesis 3, after, God, after the fall of man, sin came into the world. You see this corruption. You see God saying, Adam, you're going to have to work. Eve, here's what you're going to have to do. Serpent, here's what you're going to have to do. Here's what God says to the serpent Genesis 3.15. This is actually very imp- profound. You guys might know this, but this is huge. God says in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Um, this is basically, not based, this is the first mention of the gospel. Like how? Right, this is a profound verse. He's saying, Hey, Satan, you need to know what's gonna happen. In her seed, your head will be crushed. In her seed. This is a very interesting use of language. Maybe you know this, but women don't have this seed, right? There is a reference to the virgin birth right away in Genesis 3:15. In your seed. Women don't have the seed. Biblically speaking, it's always used with men. Abraham, hey, in your seed, Abraham, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You see this phrase, seed used for men. This is, like the, this is the only time it's referenced to women. Hey, Eve, in your seed, your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. Eve, you're gonna have a seed that's gonna bruise or really the words crush the head of the serpent. In your seed, this idea that there will be a woman who has birth to the Messiah and this Messiah will crush the serpent. By the way, I have to point this out because most scholars point this out. Eve thought her firstborn child most likely was the Messiah. When you think about this, God's like, hey, in your seed, you're going to crush the serpent's head. In Genesis 4, why don't we just like read it? Genesis 4 verse 1. This is actually really interesting, but I'll just read it to you if not. It says, Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with help from the Lord. She's like, when she gave birth to Cain, she's like, I got it. I got the man. It basically means like here he is. The name Cain is fascinating. It's like here he is, the one. She literally thought like this is the Messiah. God said, "In my seed." She, so she gives birth to Cain, who ends up being the first murderer. By the way, um, Cain murdered his brother Abel. Right? Cain killed Abel. But in her mind, like God promised this that one day my seed would crush the serpent's head, and there's this expectation from the very beginning. Like there, from the very beginning, there's almost idea of like, okay, where is this promise that the seed from the woman should crush the serpent's head? Isaiah picks up on this idea of this virgin birth, of the seed crushing the serpent. Isaiah says this so famously, Isaiah seven fourteen. therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. This is also repeated in Matthew 1. Matthew 1 views Isaiah 7 as a prophetic verse for the virgin birth of Jesus. But here's the idea. Because of women, we have Jesus. Because of women, we have the Messiah. And Adam will die, and Christ all are made alive. And Adam will all die. And Eve, she gave us the Messiah. <laughs> There's a, it's such a beautiful idea that from the very beginning, God's like, "I'm going to use women to bring the Savior. I'm going to use women to, ch- to change the world. My thing is this, not to overcomplicate this. Um, women are a blessing from God. He find. there you go. You guys learn. I'm proud. Men can learn. See? Women, men can learn, I promise. Look, we did it. We did it. We learned. <laughs> women are a blessing from God. We're um, just kidding. And <laughs> it's one of those things where, like, I don't want this to be pandering. I want this to be honoring. I want this to be God. Thank you. Thank you that you said, ah, things are good, not whole. It's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make woman. The crown, the glory of man, 1 Corinthians 11 says, woman is the glory of man is how Paul words it. There's something beautiful, intrinsic, about women who reflect the character and nature of God. As a woman, you reflect the character and nature of God in a way that men can't and don't. You have to see that. That's why male and female, he made them in his image. We have to see that men and women both reflect the nature and character of God. And we have to stop despising or act like one is better or one is worse or one is lesser. And that can go both ways. And we have to honor. We have to say, God, thank you for women because through the woman you gave us the Messiah. God, you protected that heritage of just women and, and, and who they mixed with and married with and because you wanted to protect the, the Savior of the world coming to us. And thank you, God, for women who have been godly and faithful to you. Because we would not be saved if it wasn't for Mary, a virgin, giving birth to the Messiah. And we look on and say, thank you, God. Thank you, this promise to Eve that was fulfilled in Jesus. The seed of the woman, the one born of a virgin, came. And his name is Jesus. My thing is this. Um, what is a woman? <laughs> She's an w- image-bearer of God who reflects the glory and beauty of God in a way that a man doesn't. She's biologically female. she is spiritually, emotionally, socially female, <laughs> I mean, different than men in every way, glorifying a God. We, we wanted to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you designed this. Thank you that you made this. Why do we try to make it fluid? Why, why do we try to... This is what I really see the enemy doing. Why do we try to cut off body parts or mar image bearers of God. I fully believe Satan cannot get to God, but he can get to the image bearers of God. Since I can't mar the image of God, let me mar the image bearers of God. We have to see that there's a battle over our body, over our gender, over our sex, because you reflect the beauty and glory of God, and Satan despises that. Your very existence makes him sick. Jesus said Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Why do we in 2023 think, you know, it's a really good idea for anyone, especially children, to cut off their body parts, to give them surgery. They'll affect them for years and years to come. We think it's good. We're doing these things because, again, I do fully believe Satan's like, I can't mar the image of God, but I can mar the image bearers of God. So let me get to them. And I will say this, Jesus has not come to kill, steal anything from you, destroy, but he has come to give you life and life more abundantly. And live into Jesus' design for you. Have you not read, have you not read that he who made them made the male and female from the beginning? Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Jesus, for women. Thank you, Jesus, for women who reflect your image and your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for godly women who raise up more godly women. May he continue to do that, the exchange. Can I just do this? We're going to end differently, we're not going to end with worship. I want to end with a commission over all women. I also want to give you guys time to hang out and get some ice cream, all right? But I'm just going to say this. If you are a woman, please stand up. We would just love to pray over you. So all women, not just moms, all women, stand up. Men, can we give it up for the women? <laughs> you say yes. And women, if you would, like this, just with your hands in a heart posture of receiving, just kind of put your hands out like this. Men, if you would, with your hands out towards a woman near you, we're just going to pray over you. Father God, I am so thankful for the women in this room who are standing, who are your image bearers, who are fearfully and wonderfully made, who Satan wants to rob and, and kill, and destroy, and take away from their life. But Jesus, you want to add life, and everlasting life. And that starts today. And Jesus, I ask that these women, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, like you did in the upper room. That God, you'd give them gifts they have not yet maybe explored or lived into yet. That Holy Spirit, you'd pour out your favor on women. God, that you would bless these women, their relationships, their friendships, their husbands, their sons, their daughters. God, that these women would raise up a generation of followers of you, Jesus. God, I I believe the enemy, the last thing he wants is godly, sold-out women who are committed to you and committed to the gospel. And we just ask that this would be a room full of women saying, Jesus, here I am, send me. So bless these women. God, pour your spirit on them. I ask that you remove the lies of the enemy. I ask you to remove thoughts, comparisons, feelings, things that are just not from you, and let them live into Jesus what you have made them for, for your glory. So we thank you for these women. Bless them, use them, keep them, make your face shine upon them, Jesus. We ask in your precious, precious name, Jesus. We ask this, amen. Amen.